T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. It is 11.08 here on a Monday night, late night. Timberwolves find a way. No cat, no ant, no D-Lo. Bunch of guys in the health and safety protocol, and they still get it done, beating the Celtics. Really a good win. Jalen Noel, 29 points uh, for the Timberwolves in that victory tonight. Nathan Knight. And Greg Monroe, who just signed out of the G League, he's playing for the Wizards team in the G League. Greg Monroe hasn't played in the league in a couple of years, has bounced around and comes back. And and Knight and Monroe combined for 31 points, 20 rebounds, and 10 assists in the victory tonight. Timberwolves and Knicks, Tom Thibodeau back in town on Tuesday night. Our coverage begins at 6.30 and our tip at 7.10. Cal Soderquist turns it over to Alan Horton for all the play-by-play. Uh, fun night as the Timberwolves were down 11 at the half and roar back and get the victory tonight. Hopefully they start getting some players back. Josh Kogi uh, returned to the lineup. Uh, it, it looks like Patrick Beverly is on his way back. Not sure if he'll be available tomorrow night, but uh, uh, the Timberwolves hopefully starting to get all these guys back. Anthony Edwards, one of the first to go into the health and safety protocols, still not back. Uh, right now we're going to try and heat up the hot stove with uh, MLB in a lockout and helping us trying to Create a little heat for the upcoming Major League season. Scott Miller has covered the Major Leagues for a long time. Scott, hope you had a great Christmas, and uh, here we are, headed for a new year. Hey, Steve. Yeah, very nice. I hope uh, the same for you and everybody listening that uh, Christmas was great and nice and blessed and peaceful and uh, and that the new year will be the same. Yeah, and I know, Scott, uh, anybody who loves the game – Knows how important the hot stove is. The hot stove league is is better around forever and ever, where everyone talks about their club and what they need in the off season. And right now, that isn't there, and that's not good for the game. I think the hot stove league, ice cold at the moment, not a good thing for MLB. No, I mean it's you know it's the old cliche, right? Out of sight, out of mind. I yeah. mean, you know, and as an agent. Uh, a pretty prominent agent told me we were talking in early December, a couple of days after the lockout, like he said, 
you know, it just doesn't make sense because in certain cities they created buzz, right? I mean, the New York Mets uh, signed Max Scherzer to the big deal. Um, you know, everybody's excited. They made trades. They, they acquired Starling Marte. And, you know, Mets fans in New York are like, man, this might be the year we finally steal the spotlight from the Yankees. You know, we've got a new owner that wants to win. And then, of course, you know, they hired Buck Showalter. Um, and yet, just when they whip New York, the Mets whip their fans into a, a frenzy, uh, the lockout happens and everything goes dark. And, you know, it's not just the Mets. I mean, a number of different teams. I mean, even, you know, the Twins agreeing to terms with Byron Buxton and keeping him. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, you know, all these different markets. And the weird thing is the past few years, spring uh, free agency has been so slow. You know, I mean, the past few years, free agents have taken forever to sign. This year, it was the opposite. A bunch of teams got a bunch of stuff done early, and it looked like it was going to be really exciting. And then and then Commissioner Manfred and the owners, uh, you know, hit the lockout button. And there hasn't even been any talks between the owners and the players. Yeah, and I would think, Scott, that, that that's got to ramp up soon. I know there's all this talk about – well, there's time until pitchers and catchers report to the Grapefruit League and Cactus League, but there, there's something to that buildup. And, and it hit me earlier today because there was so much focus on, you know, we, we had to drive out of town to, to visit my wife's family and then drive back and all the hubbub and so on and so forth. And then today I was able to daydream a little bit about the upcoming MLB season and think yep. – the, the game really is being hurt right now. Sure, it's not like missing spring training or missing games. It's not on that magnitude. But there is still something about fans talking about what the needs are. For the Minnesota Twins, Byron Buxton was job one, but they, they've got they got pitching, 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 pitching. What are they going to do on that front? I mean, that's a big deal, and fans love to chew on that. And, and here we are, and that, that's that's true because hope springs eternal. We all know the old story that maybe this is the year the club turns the corner or maybe this is the year the team contends or maybe this is the year uh, our team wins it all. And, and by not having that is a huge mistake. And I wish the owners in particular, because really w- with the lockout in place, I, I think they're the ones right now that have to drive this and sit down with the players and say, here's how we're going to restructure how younger players get paid and w- what we're going to do to fix that um, with, with the new metrics and the fact that, you know, anybody over the age of 30, you know, isn't getting paid anymore. It's It's got to change, and I know the players are going to stick together on this. Yeah, it, it, you would think at it, some point it does because if the free agents are not going to get their money after they turn 30, um, you know, it's it's difficult to tell young players that you have three years till you can get to arbitration. You're going to be underpaid your first few years in the game, and then traditionally they've been able to make it up in free agency. But with the analytics movement, uh, you know, diluting money after 30 for players, if they're not going to get paid early and then they're not going to make it up later, right. um, you know, that's that's a big problem. And if they're not going to get paid early and then they're not going to make it up later, 
right. um, you know, that's that's a big problem. And 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 then of course the the whole idea of tanking, you know, teams rebuilding, going to the extreme rebuild mode like the Baltimore Orioles have over the past few years. When you get four or five teams a year doing that, that removes them from the free agent pool too. And and it dilutes the free agent pool and it 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 drives player salaries down. The average player uh, salary, by the way, shrunk this year. Uh, uh, you know, this past year it was the lowest it's been in a couple of years. And um, you know, when teams are not competitive, that that's a big thing with the players' union. They'd like to see when you mention the word restructure in the game, they'd like to see uh, some things done as well so that you don't have four or five teams a year going into this extreme rebuild mode, which, you know, I, I think there's some merit to that. Baseball has to look at that, whether they go to an NBA lottery type system for draft picks, um, you know, where you take the 10 worst records in the league and say, we're going to take you guys and, and do a lottery for the draft picks. So, you know, that would maybe discourage a team from trying to finish with the worst record overall and get the first draft pick. Um, you know, there's some things like that that really have to be uh, studied, analyzed, and and discussed on a serious basis between the players and the owners. And, and, and Scott, you, you, you bring that up about um, clubs that tank and gut their payroll. The, the, the Twins went through it. Uh, for a time yep. there in the nineties where it was just like, you know, what, what are, what are we doing here? Um, you know, is, is this really a major league product that uh, right. they're, they're putting on the field year in and year out? Could it get to the point where the, the players would stand up and say that there's gotta be a minimum that, that clubs have to spend a minimum on payroll every year? You know, that's the tricky thing, Steve, because that's uh, over the summer, the owners did offer a, kind of a salary floor to the players. They said, in, you know, there haven't been that many proposals exchanged back and forth, but in the two or three that there have been, um, you know, the owners offered to the players a $100 million minimum payroll. And it's tricky because it sounds good in theory, because you've got teams like the Miami Marlins, Baltimore Orioles that are taking uh, revenue-sharing money, and yet their overall payroll is still in the 60 or $70 million range. So you would think if the teams are going to take payroll, it would be a good thing to have what the owners proposed, a $100 million floor. But the players basically ignored that proposal because they've traditionally, since the union started in the early 70s, been for what they call a free market system. They, they've refused to have any kind of salary cap. And as such, they don't want a salary floor. Um, the floor makes sense to me, but with the floor comes an adjustment in the ceiling, where the, the threshold for the luxury tax. And, and the owners, while offering to put a floor in, they lowered the uh, luxury tax threshold and so the players are leery of this because they say, okay, even if, if this, what you're offering, uh, you know, will force teams like the Orioles and the Marlins to go up to hundred million. If at the other end, you're lowering the, th- the um, threshold for what teams will have to pay 
luxury taxes into, then you're discouraging teams from going more teams. If you lower the top end sure. of the payroll, you're discovering you're discouraging more teams from going high in their payroll. So, you know, it, it, it's, it's going to be a give and take. It's going to be a lot of different conversations, but you know, right now nothing is scheduled and, and there doesn't seem to be any urgency on either side. And, you know, they're going to have to get to it here pretty quick if we're going to start spring training on time. Yeah, you, you would think that, okay, over the holidays, celebrate the new year, but you would think that there would be a lot of interest in in getting something going and at least show the fans. Because let's face it, um, that there are there are challenges for the game, and you and I have talked about them. So, so there's the money yep. thing and how, how you get money to younger players and maybe – free agency starts early, maybe there are changes to arbitration, maybe there's uh, a higher minimum uh, for these kids coming into the major leagues, uh, maybe they restructure on, on how minor league pay- players get paid. There, there's a lot of stuff out there to get sorted out monetarily, which which is generally a turnoff for the fans because they want to talk about the players and their team and, and not dwell on how much money the owners make and how much money the players make. Then there's the game itself and the length of, you know, your, your regular, your average regular season game. Um, the, the fact that it, it's a strikeout or a home run, that there's not a lot of balls in play, um, criticisms of the umpires and how they manage the game in the strike zone. The list goes on and on. The, there's a lot right now facing baseball and, and, that needs to be dealt with as well. Yeah, I mean, when when Rob Manford took the job as commissioner, when Bud Selig retired back around 2014, I mean, he acknowledged right away one of the chief jobs of him in his administration was going to have to be reconnecting the game with the younger generation because it was slow and the younger generation used to video games and basketball and some of the faster pace sports, you know, baseball, Rob Manford was worried about baseball losing pace uh, to the young crowd. And, you know, I don't see where much progress has been made there. And you could argue it's going the other way with all this dead time that you mentioned. And, you know, uh, there's a ball put in play on, on average of about every, I think it's five or seven minutes now. I mean, it's just, there's a lot of dead time in games and the average nine inning game, as you referenced in 2021 um, was about, I think it was three hours and 11 minutes. It was the longest average game time in history. So the games get longer. There's less action. I mean, that's the, the, the problem too, right? If it was a three hour and 11 minute average game, but if there were all kinds of triples and doubles and hit and runs and stolen oh, bases yeah. and action, yeah, then I don't think people would mind as much. But when you're talking the longest average game in history, three hours and 11 minutes, and then conversely, you're talking about the, all the dead time in the game, and there is no stolen base anymore. There is no hit and run, and it's just wait, for, sit around, wait for the home run, and then between those, there are a bunch of strikeouts. Now you're talking about all kinds of dead time. And, and, I mean, you know, even a guy that's like me that's invested his life in the game, and, you know, I, I, I challenge anybody to say, you know, to prove they love the game more than I do. I mean, I'm not, I mean, there's certain 
people, those of us that are just baseball people, so I've ever done 30 years of covering the game and, yeah. and, and it, you know, it's, 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 it's all, it's what I know and it's what I chose to do and what I love yet when I'm at home in the summer now, Steve, like this past season, and I'm not out at the ballpark. You know, I, sure, I have games at the MLB Extra Innings Package, and I'll watch some of the Twins. I'll flip over to watch some of the Indians, maybe watch some of the Red Sox and Yankees. But there are times when I'm home watching a game, and I end up flipping around the channels to see what else is on because it, whatever game it is, it's like, oh, my gosh, it's become like watching paint dry. And if 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 the sport is – allowing me somebody like me to flip to well let's see what's on this channel see what's on that channel and if i can't stay engaged in the game i guarantee you the casual baseball fan isn't yeah and and that is and i don't know what the answer is do you do you expand the strike zone force the umpires to call letters to the knees and width of the plane you know, sometimes you watch ball games where where the strike zone is the size of a dinner plate, and it's like, well, what exactly. are the poor, yeah, what are the poor pitchers supposed to do in these? And and every batter coming up now is trained to work the count and spoil pitches, yep. and you know, it, it it just gets to the point where I I can't stand it if another television announcer talks about a twelve pitch at bat that ends up in a strikeout is a good at bat. I'm going to say, no, it's not. It was boring as hell. I'm sorry. (laughs) You know, and, and a home run back in the day when, when I, when I fell in love with the game, you know, I I was a kid. Harmon Killebrew was, you know, my, my first sports hero playing at the old Met. I've got a picture of the old Met here in the studio. And I, I, I imagine those days, you know, Harmon Killebrew hitting these, towering home runs into the left field bleachers at Met Stadium. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, home runs were a big deal. Now, you know, it's home run or strikeout. And granted, Harmon Killebrew struck out a a lot as well. But there were other players that made the game exciting. You you think of, you know, Tony Oliva, who just joined the Hall of Fame, and Rod Carew, and so on and so forth. I mean, the, there were a lot of ingredients in a ball game back then. When when Harmon was up there, he expected Harmon to hit the ball over the fence. But when Rod Carew, he'd lay down a bunt and and beat out an infield. That's exciting, and and we yeah, there are different that. styles. Yeah, for yeah, sure, different styles, and, and and you know now, you know you see it. And, and it's not necessarily all bad in that some of the analytics, analytical philosophies have, you know, you used to have your cleanup hitters right now. It, 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 the, the theory is, you know, you want your best hitter hitting second because you want, he, he may get an extra at bat or two in a game hitting that high up in the lineup. And, and, and that's fine. I mean, that's why you see, you know, Mike Trout hitting second for the Angels and, and a lot of guys that would traditionally be cleanup hitters back in the day are hitting second. But the the problem is, you know, you, yeah, you used to have different guys that had different styles. Now, as you mentioned, you know, they, they want everybody to control the strike zone and, you know, not swing. I mean, I always joke, it's not a joke, but I always say that, you know, hitters, so almost every hitter now is trained to look over pitches, you know, kind of like your cliche, 
you know, your old grandma that's that's picking out produce in, in, in the supermarket, you know, painfully going over produce to make sure she gets just the right one. That That's like what uh, every at bat has become anymore. And, yeah. and, and, you know, you used to have your leadoff guys. You wanted a Ricky Henderson or somebody like that atop the order that was going to then be able to steal second. You know, now you don't. You want a high on base guy leading off, but you could have – like the Cubs, you know, batted Anthony Rizzo first for many times. I mean, it, every there's not much distinction anymore between a leadoff guy and an on-base guy and a power guy. I mean, you know, in the game now, you've, you you have a record number of players hit 20 or more home runs. To your point with Harvin Killebrew, I mean, home runs used to be special because they should be hard. It should be difficult to hit a home run. Uh, it should be meaningful, and they've left. They've lost their meaning because they come so often now and that's because the balls are juiced and the new ballparks, you know, most of them are hitters ballparks. Their dimensions are such that it's not as hard to hit a home run and everything favors the hitter. And to your point, so do most strike zones. I I agree. I think I'd like to see a bigger strike zone because I think for my money, anything you can do to tell the hitter when he goes to plate, swing the bat, you know, your job, we don't want you up there leaving the bat on your shoulder, watching pitch after pitch after pitch, you know, the the point of it ought to be to try to hit the ball within reason. You know, don't swing at a pitch 10 feet over your head, but you know, the the strike zone to your point shouldn't be the size of a dinner plate. I think if they enlarge the strike zone, it would encourage more hitters to swing more often. And yeah, there might be some extra strikeouts within that, but I think also, um, you know, you you get some hitters to be a little more aggressive, and and I think they'd hit the ball more often. I I think that's one thing that could be changed, because yeah, I mean, you know, they're going to need a committee, and they kind of have started one. Theo Epstein is is in the commissioner's office now, you know, looking at ways to improve the game, and, and there's a whole array of things. You know, I'd like to see the shift, um, <clears throat> at least adjusted. You know, I, I would. I think there are, you ought to draw a line from home plate through the pitcher's mound, through second base, all the way to center field, an imaginary line. And then you would have to have two infielders on one side of that line and two on the other side of the line, rather than moving and stacking, having three infielders yeah. on one side. Or, I mean, you know, the analytics people yell and moan about that. They say, well, just because we figured some things out, you shouldn't penalize us. But it's that way in every sport, isn't it? I mean, you know, the NBA outlawed zone defenses for a while because, you know, to adjust the game, they, they, there's the three-second rule. You know, you can't just stand there in the key. And in football, you have only a number of – a certain number of players are eligible receivers, right? Well, I mean, yeah, in a good example, and we got to run, Scott, but uh, – yeah, A certain number of players are eligible receivers, right? Well, I mean, yeah, in a good example, and we got to run, Scott, but – uh, yep. A shot clock. They're, they're putting a shot clock in high school basketball here in Minnesota, and I know it's around the country, and, and Minnesota's late late to that game. But there's a shot clock because they realize teams up by 10 with eight minutes to go in the game can go to four corners. No one wants to watch yep. that. Nobody wants to right. watch that. So right. the, the, the game does need to change, and, and I – I hope they make progress on that front beyond the economics, I guess is the bottom. Yeah, no question. No question. Yeah, Yeah, it's, it's the worst I've seen. Again, speaking as a baseball guy, as a guy that loves the game, 
and I'm doing exactly what I chose to do with my life. But that said, this is the hardest watch, right? The last few years, it's the hardest to watch that it's ever been, uh, you know, and and baseball's got to figure this out. Well, Scott, it's always good to visit with you once again. Uh, Happy New Year to you and yours, and uh, hopefully we can visit again soon. Yeah, it sounds good, Steve. Happy New Year to you and everyone and uh, you and your family and everyone listening, and uh, we'll talk soon. Scott Miller joining us, covered the major leagues for a long time, joins us from Southern California. Quick break. We'll have an update on the weather, and then Mike Wall's going to join us from space.com. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.